You're listening to Scattered by Anchored Baptist Church, where we are working to reflect the diversity of Hermanus as we gather to hear good news and as we scatter to share it. Have you ever stepped back and tried to look at who we are and what we do from an outsider's perspective? Church, that's actually quite weird. We come together, a bunch of people, into a freezing cold building. We pack out chairs like this ancient Greek auditorium. We make noises together. We look at screens and read from books and various other things. One man gets up and talks for about half an hour, in this case, probably about an hour and a half. And they they eat small chunks of bread and drink from small cups. And then they pack up the chairs again. They come together, they have coffee together, and they go home and say, well, we've been to church. That's quite strange in reality. But I'd like us to think about who we are, what we do, And why are we here? And what do we do and where do we go? And how do we go from here on? What is the purpose of this strange gathering of, can I say, odd people? Well, we must step back. We must understand this. We must understand the big picture of where does Jesus fit in? Where do we fit in? We must understand what the church is in order to to, to go forward. But the first thing we must understand is actually this big story, this big picture, actually doesn't begin with us. In the beginning, what? In the beginning, God. God was fully satisfied in himself. He needed nothing. So why did God create man? Why did he allow our father Adam to fall into sin? Why did God become man taking on the nature of a servant? Why did the Son of God have to die? Why did he have to ascend? Why did he have to be raised from the dead again? Why did he have to ascend into heaven? I want to bring us to the point where we can actually consider some of the answer. This is an immense question. But some of the answer will help us to understand the picture of the church, who we are and what we do and why we do it. As I said, we're going to be in Ephesians 4 this morning, but Ephesians chapter 3 helps us to get some of Paul's mind and as he builds his argument into chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 3, verses 8 to 12. To me, though I am very least of all the saints, this grace was given to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ and to bring to light for everyone what is the plan of the mystery hidden for ages in God who created all things, so that through the church the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known to the rulers and authorities in heavenly places. This was according to the eternal purpose that he has realized in Christ Jesus our Lord in whom we have boldness and access with confidence through faith in him. For ages, God was keeping a mystery. He kept it to himself. 
But in due time, he started to unfold this mystery to the universe. God was going to put his manifold, his multidimensional wisdom on display. How does he do it? How does he choose to do it? Have a look at that text there. See if you can pull it out in Ephesians chapter 3. Well, after the birth of the church, God gives her the highest privilege. She becomes this jewel through whom God manifests his infinite wisdom to the universe. Let that sink in for a moment. God is putting his infinite wisdom on display to all beings everywhere in the universe. And he chooses to do it through his church. Can you begin to understand the privilege that we as the church have? And I'm talking church universal and us as a church local. But how's this going to happen? How does this possibly come to be? As Jesus left the earth to take his rightful position of authority at the Father's right hand and to assume his position as an advocate pleading on our behalf, he sends the comforter, as we had mentioned earlier. And then, what else does he do? in order to equip us, in order to make us what we ought to be to display his manifold wisdom to the universe, what does he give? Ephesians chapter 4. And here we come to our text, reading from verse 7. But grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, it says, when he ascended on high, he led host of captives, and he gave gifts to men. In saying he ascended, what does it mean? but that he had also descended to the lower regions the earth of the earth. He who descended is the one who also ascended far above all the heavens that he might fill all things. So he gives his spirit. Then he starts to even unpack more gifts to his beloved church in order to display his wonderful wisdom through this church. We see this, we pick it up. In verse 11, and he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, for building up the body of Christ, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to a mature, mature manhood, to the measure of the, the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes, rather speaking the word in love, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. Let's take a sneak peek at the end of that text. You see what happens? What do you see there at the end? What is the result of all of this? A body, a diverse community, 
You see what it's doing? It's building itself up. And it is glued together with love. How does this happen? How do we get there? Well, Christ, we know, produces this result. But he gives gifts to his church. Every single essential element that his plan will be fulfilled, that his church will proclaim the manifold wisdom of God to the universe. This is an incredible, incredible truth. We must never forget the weight of this message. As we go forward in the church, we must think, we must consider, we must meditate on this fact of the privilege that we have as a church. What kind of gifts does he give? Follow in the text, verse 11. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, and the shepherd and teachers. This is startling. Considering how big God's purpose is in the universe, it is startling that these gifts that he gives to the church are people. Fallible imperfect people. What kind of people? Well, what do we see? Firstly, apostles. What does the apostle Paul mean when he speaks about apostles and, in fact, the next category of people that Christ gives to the the prophets? Earlier on in his epistle to the Ephesians, he speaks about this. Listen to this in in chapter 2. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone. The apostles and the prophets are the foundation on which Christ builds his church. How often do you build a foundation? Once, and it is done. And on that foundation, Christ continues. The apostles, the chosen witnesses of the resurrection. Remember back in Acts, how when the apostles were looking for a replacement for Judas, they said that the replacement must be one who has witnessed the resurrection of Christ. And these are the apostles, the men who have accompanied the apostles, who have witnessed the resurrection of Christ. And these are the men on whom the foundation of the church was to be built. We get prophets. These are the people who would bring the word of the Lord, and they would say, this is what God says, thus saith the Lord. And they brought the word of the Lord until the the scriptures had come to their completion. We read in Hebrews chapter 1, where it says, Long ago and in many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets, but in these last days he has spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom also he created the world. In our text again, he he gives apostles, he gives prophets. Thirdly, evangelists. Well, there's, ne- there's very little actually known about this group of people. We know that Timothy was exhorted to do the work of an evangelist. 
It may be that these are pioneers of the gospel who take the gospel to places that have never received it before, to unreached people groups. But it's difficult to know with any kind of certainty who Paul is referring to here. But it is the fourth group of people in our text that we're going to be focusing on this morning. And in fact, you will see there that it is the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, and the shepherd and teachers. One, one kind of people, shepherd teachers. Christ gave the, the gift of these men to the church, and we see them operating in all biblical churches to this very day. Now, as you go through Scripture, you will see many different words meaning the same thing. When you read in your Bibles, perhaps, pastors, elders, overseers, or even if you read in the King James Version, you'll, you'll see the word bishops, all speaking of the same office within the church. What is the purpose of these men? These pastors, these shepherd teachers, what is their role? What do they want to do? What does Christ want them to do? Look at your text, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 12. Purpose to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, for building up the body of Christ. Why does Christ give elders to the church? To equip the saints for the work of the ministry, for building up the body of Christ. We'll get to this in greater detail a little bit later on. We heard last week that Christ will build his church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. This is an amazing thing. Because you see here, how does Christ build his church? We saw this at the end of this passage too. That Christ built his church, it's his work, but he builds it in a way that his church builds itself. This is a remarkable truth. Again, showing the manifold wisdom of God. For some reason, if we as this group of people were asked to build a brick and mortar building, how would we go about doing it? Well, we would need, first of all, for everyone to pull their weight, right? But we would also need some people to come in to help equip us because very few of us know anything about building. And so if we are to build this building, we need equippers and we need everyone to do the work. Christ gives the gift of shepherd teachers to prepare, to nurture, and train God's people to do what? To build the body of Christ. And it is God's gift to the church that imperfect men used by God help to equip his people to build his people up. How do these men equip the church to be able to do this amazing task? Well, every time we hear about equipping for good works, where does our mind go? 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16. All Scripture is breathed out by God and is profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and training in righteousness that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every 
good work. Church, this is critically important. This is critical. The primary occupation of shepherd teachers is bringing God's word. They teach the word. They lead by the word. They shepherd by the word. We must be very careful as we go from this point, church. We need to avoid the gimmicks. We need to avoid the man-made schemes. They promise success, but they cannot deliver. Psychology will not build this church. Fancy programs will not build this church. Principles that businesses and organizations are built on will not build this church. It is the word of God brought faithfully that will build this church. It is the word of Christ, rightly divided, faithfully delivered. Christ will build his church through his people, equipped by his people, by the word brought the word preached by the shepherd teachers who are part of the local church will build his local church. The word used as a rod and a staff by under-shepherds will build his church. And this we must again acknowledge. This is something that no one else can do. No TV or radio preacher can do this. Because Christ gives shepherds in his church, for his church. This is not something that the traveling preacher can do. They have their place, but they cannot equip the saints for the work of the ministry because it is a teacher-shepherd role. It is not something that a video series or a book series can ever do. Shepherd teachers bring the word, equip God's people to build itself up. Just as a side note, we do appreciate and we must appreciate and we must nurture young men who are developing. But we must protect them from the weight of this task because it is God who has given shepherd teachers specifically for the, the carrying this weight of delivering God's word to build up God's, God's people in order so that they would come together as we see and display the manifold wisdom of God to the onlookers throughout the universe. How is the work of shepherd elders, overseers done? How long Will they have to work before it's completed? Look at your text, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 13. Until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Here we get a sense of the goal of the, shepherd, the work of the shepherd teacher. Unity. Everyone growing up together. Secondly, maturity to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. See that in your text. What is unity? 
What is this unity that Paul's getting at? That they can grow up together. You get many different types of sports, right? You get, for example, soccer where the team works together to try score a goal. You get individual sports, like a marathon runner will try get to the finish line first in the best time possible. But you get other kinds of sports too. For example, there is one kind of cycling in cycling time trials where the team has to get to the finish line together. We must understand that church is not an individual sport. We must understand that it's our responsibility. My brother, my sister, is my responsibility, and it is not me who must get to the finish line as fast and as, and as well as possible. It is to, for me to get my brother and sisters all that we can arrive at the finish line together in terms of unity and maturity. We are not marathon runners. This is a team game, but it is not a game. We are a team to whom Jesus has given the gift of one another to help one another to arrive at this maturity that he speaks of. Unity of the faith, unity of the Son, the knowledge of the Son of God. Of course, those two things are different, but they are actually one thing. Our faith is through Jesus. Jesus brought about our faith. Our faith hopes in Jesus. Our faith rests on Jesus. Our faith worships Jesus. And we will rest and worship at his feet. The unity of the faith is to be, unity, be in unity about Jesus. Listen to these verses. Listen to these verses that I'm about to read, and you'll get the vein, you'll get the, the trend. Redemption that is in Christ Jesus, dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. The free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. No condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. Nothing will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus, sanctified in Christ Jesus. If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing. We are his work, workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works. In Christ Jesus, you were once far off and have been brought near by the blood of Christ. You get the picture. The goal of church is that we would be uni united in mind, one mind. And that single thought is this. In Christ, we have everything. And Jesus is everything. We must be working together to develop this one mind. Alnet's goal for Hananya is to see her developing the single mind of Christ is everything. 
Beverly's goal for Kimberly is to see her develop this mind that Christ is everything. Brendan's goal for Jonathan is to see him develop this mind that Jesus is everything. You get the point? And to equip us all for this task of bringing us to this unity of the faith which is in Christ Jesus, Christ has gifted to the church men who will work diligently to equip his people to bring us to that unity. So we work towards this unity of Jesus, being equipped by the gifting of Jesus Christ himself of men to the church. And then secondly, maturity. We are a local body of Christ, and we are to pursue this maturity. What does this mean? For many a boy... Maturity means to be just like that. A very common desire, but a very low bar. Our goal as a church is very similar, but infinitely higher. Our goal as a church is so that we all arrive at being like Jesus. Romans chapter 8, verse 29, Wade read it for us. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son. 2 Corinthians 3, 18, And we all with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. What is Kenius's goal for Timothy? To see him become like Jesus. What is Derek's goal for Henry? To see him become like Jesus. What is Martha's goal for Michelle? To see her become like Jesus. What is Josh's goal for India? To see her become like Jesus. What is Engler's goal for Charlene? So that she would become like Jesus. Each one of us should be working to see each one in our church, this local body, growing into the image of Jesus. And to equip us for this task, Jesus has gifted to the church men who will work diligently to help each member of the church to help each member of the church come to the image of Jesus Christ, our Savior. What is the result of all of this? Ephesians chapter 4, verse 14. So that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness in deceitful schemes, rather speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint which is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. I'm not sure if there's ever been a time of greater confusion in this world, a time of false teaching, as much far-reaching darkest evil. But Christ 
will build His church. And the gates of hell will not prevail against it. The local church will survive the turmoil and do more than survive. It will be built. And by the grace of God, we who are part of it will be with Christ in that building process. Because of Jesus' gifts to his church, the church will be a God-equipped, self-building monument to the manifold wisdom of God in the universe. But for now, we need to speak a lot about the qualifications, about the how this comes about in the local church, what eldership or that role of shepherd teachers, how it all works out in the church. We need to discuss all these, these things, but we'll save that for another time. For now, let's remember this church, that Jesus has gifted his church the privilege of displaying his wisdom in the universe. Jesus has gifted his church the privilege of working alongside him in building the church until we get to a point of unity of mind that Jesus is all in all, until we get to that point in maturity where we are like Jesus. This is God's design. He has and he will gift to his church shepherd teachers, elders, who will use the word to equip his people for the work of the ministry. There is no higher task for us as a body. Until next time, know that the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God the Father and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit is with you all.